Well, once again, good morning. And we are uh, continuing our study in First Thessalonians. We just began last week. So if this is your first Sunday back, you haven't missed too much. Just three verses, actually. Uh, and so we're going to be picking up in chapter 1. Uh, verses 4 to 10. But before we get there, I just will remind you a little bit about the background of, first, of, of Thessalonica. You'll remember uh, that Paul and um, uh, Silas and Timothy had ministered in Thessalonica, that they had been run out of town, uh, that they ended up wondering whatever happens. And so they sent uh, Timothy back to get a report. And this is Paul's response to that report that he received from Timothy. And it was a good report. And we began began last week by looking at the thanksgiving that Paul gave uh, for the Thessalonians, for their faith, their hope, and their love. You'll remember uh, that language in, in, chapter, um, uh, in ch- chapter 1, verse 3, uh, for uh, the, the work of faith, or uh, we can think about the faithful life and living of, the, of the, Thessal- the young Thessalonian church, and the labor of love, or that uh, that that. Uh, you might call costly love that they, sh- they were showing and uh, that steadfast hope or that patient hope uh, that they were showing. And I pointed out that in this book, we'll be using that framework of faith, love, and hope throughout. And this week, we'll be looking at particularly faith, um, gospel, faith. Uh, to do that, let's go ahead and read. We're going to be reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. Hear God's word. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we have proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, once again, I ask that you would be present. Uh, help me as, as your uh, servant to be faithful. Uh, may you be glorified and Christ exalted. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Authentic. The real deal. Original. Name brand. Um. Uh, OEM, if you're into cars. Uh, these are all tags that are used to describe something that is not a fake, right? It's not an uh, aftermarket, uh, to, again, to use the car analogy. Um, it's usually of higher quality, right? Uh, it, maybe you've gotten a deal on eBay. Maybe you're like me in this. Uh, maybe you know what I'm talking about when I describe this. Uh, you got a deal that was great, a great deal. And the box comes and it looks good, you open it up, whatever it is, and you're like, wow, this is awesome. And after a very short time, uh, it stops working or it falls apart. Or you open the box and you look at the item and it looks nothing like what you had ordered. Um, 
Maybe you've been there. Um, you see its flaws. It's a knockoff, right? It is a cheap imitation. Nothing like the original name brand thing that you had thought you might be getting. And so you feel robbed and you get a little bit indignant. Um, but really, you paid half price. Come on. <laughs> did, you really, did you really think? You know, back in the 80s and 90s, um, thinking about this idea of authenticity, punks, skaters, and goths, uh, whenever somebody would try to act like a punk, a skater, or a goth, that sort of subset of people, if you tried to be like them, dress like them, but you weren't them, yeah, they had a name for you. You were a poser, right? Poser. Uh, people that looked the part, but weren't. Now, it's not good to be called a poser. Nobody wants that. And I, I remember people, people used that, at least when I was young, as, a, as sort of a derogatory slur against you, if you, for whatever reason, usually. But it started in that idea that you were trying to be something you were not. Um, back in the early 2000s, maybe it was hipsters, right? Hipsters tried to look like something they were not. The Apostle Paul has received a report from the Thessalonians about their faith. And as he examines them, as he contemplates the genuineness of their faith, as he looks at it, he is overwhelmed with gratitude to God, for he sees the power of God is at work through them. And in them, they are in no way posers in that sense. They're the real deal. And how does Paul know with such certainty? In fact, in verse 4, which was that transitionary verse that we looked at just a little bit last week, he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God and chosen, right? He says, loved by God, that he has chosen. How does he have such confidence that they are, in fact, true believers? Well, he sees their gospel faith flowing out of them. It is a resounding faith. It is a faith that echoes, if you will, out from them. It's marked by their reception and imitation of the gospel. It's marked by their display of it and their proclamation of it. It is marked by their patient hope in it. And we're going to see that in the text. This is what I want us to contemplate this morning. What does it look like for us to let the gospel, the good news, resound in our lives? What is true and living faith? The answer is pretty simple. It is a faith from which the gospel sounds forth. And I want to unpack that. Um, and we'll look at it in three parts. It is... And, and, and my goal, my hope, is that we would, as God's people, resound with the gospel. That this would be who we are as Christians. Um, and we'll look at this in three ways. First, the resounding reception of the gospel. Second, the resounding display of the gospel. And last, resounding hope of the gospel. First, the resounding reception of the gospel. Last week I mentioned that verse 4 transition. Um, and in this, he's, Paul says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Paul sees their faith, love, and hope, and declares that they are, in fact, his brothers, his kin, 
They aren't pretenders or outsiders. But just as he is a child of God, they are children of God, chosen by him. There's no difference, Paul is saying, between him as an apostle and them. And I think this is an important declaration, and I want to return to it at the very end of the sermon. But it's an important declaration because as we look at one another, as we, because part of what Paul's doing is he's examining the faith of the the Thessalonians, right? Change mics here, just so I can. As as he uh, is looking at the Thessalonians, he's examining their faith, and one of the dangers I think that as we look at one another's faith, as we sort of examine each other, um. We will, I'm going to turn this down now. Is that better? Uh, I want us to be careful. If we think that faith is from us, if we think that our faith is somehow our own strength, our own power, our own ability to lay hold of God, then what will happen is that we will look at one another and we'll think of people as, lesser or greater than us. We'll look at others and think, oh man, look at their faith. I'm jealous of what they have. Or, oh, very little faith. Such weak Christians. But when we start to recognize, as Paul his, does here, that this faith, this, this belief, comes not from themselves, but is from God, that they are first loved by God, and chosen by God, then as we examine one another's faith, we don't have that danger of comparative anatomy, if you will. We won't look at one another and think, well, I don't measure up, or I'm greater than it. So the goal then is for us to examine the faith of one another and to praise God, to look at the faith of our fellow brothers and sisters, just as Paul does here, and give thanks to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you are interested in Christianity. You're drawn into the gospel. You've begun to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and you're interested in following Jesus, but you don't think you could ever live up to the folks around you. This word here from Paul ought to be an encouragement to you. Faith is a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's by grace. It's by the love of God to you. And so as you look, as maybe you're just exploring Christianity, as you look around you and you think, well, I don't know if I could ever live up to that. I'm a really messy person. I want to encourage you. Trust that Christ can transform you. Put your faith and trust in him. Paul's clear here, these young in the faith Thessalonians, some of whom presumably worshipped idols recently, our brothers, similarly beloved by God and chosen by God, just as he is. Faith, genuine, authentic faith, is not from ourselves. It's born of the love of God for broken sinners like you and me. This is immensely important. And I want us to keep it in our mind as we look at the faith of the Thessalonians and as we consider what it means to look at other people's faith. Instead of judging one another, 
I want us to consider what it means to receive and learn from one another, right? Instead of looking at others and judging where they fit in the faith spectrum, I want you to consider what does it look like to see Christ at work in others and to say, I want to be like that. I want to receive from others. So, and this is the first thing we note about the Thessalonians. They received the gospel. And I want to look at their reception in four ways. So this is still within that first point about receiving the gospel. And I just four, four ways in which they received the gospel. The first thing that we note is that they received the gospel, not because of any amazing goodness and power in and of themselves, but because the gospel came in power. Again, this is an important truth. The word of God does not return void. I think sometimes we think of reading and preaching of the word as an intellectual activity. So you're listening, maybe you're taking notes, you're li- thinking about the, re- the reason that's behind it, thinking about the grounds of truth, and it's a very intellectual activity. And that's not wrong, right? It is. Our minds are active, and they ought to be active, and it is reasonable. But it is more than bare words. The reading and preaching of God's word is the power of God. It is the means of God for salvation. Paul says at the end of the day, it's not our wisdom, his wisdom or his excellence. Rather, it is the power of God that when he takes his word and he transforms it. And of course, this is what we see in Genesis chapter 1 when God speaks. God speaks and what happens? The world is created. It's the power of God's word. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about this. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul will say elsewhere that he didn't speak well at all, but he says this, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. First thing that we note here is they received the gospel because of the power of God. The second thing that we note here uh, under the receiving of the gospel, they received the gospel with full conviction. This conviction and power idea are linked. Again, they're linked not to the receiver, but to the Holy Spirit. Look here, it says in verse 5, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. In the Greek, those two ideas, it came in power, in the Holy Spirit, in full conviction, are connected by that, by that person, the Spirit of God. In other words, the Thessalonians received the gospel because God revealed it to them through the Holy Spirit. This morning, if you're sitting here in your heart and you know that what you are hearing is true, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yes, amen, this sounds right. If you're here and you're thinking, yes, I hear that God saves sinners and that he saves them through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you, as the Spirit is working in you now, turn. And trust in Jesus. Put your faith 
in him. Jesus says to come to him. All you are heavy laden. He will give you rest. He says, for my yoke is easy. and My burden is light. The call to you as the spirit is working in you is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he promises that he will save you. They receive the gospel with full conviction. Maybe you're a believer here and you've, you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. But every time you come to hear the word of God preached, you ought to come ready for the Spirit to work in you, to say, Lord, where is your word today? Show me how I ought to be, how I ought to live. Be ready to receive the word with full conviction. Third, they receive the gospel from Paul and his companions. I think it is a very rare event that someone is saved outside the influence of a Christian. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Uh, Someone may pick up a Bible and read, and the Spirit of God can work in them as they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. These things happen. But the normal means is through our witness as believers. And it is through us, all our graces and all our sins mixed together. When we come uh, to present the gospel to somebody, uh, we are the conduits and people come to faith connected to us. And this is an interesting thing because most often what happens is that convert, after they put their faith and trust in Jesus, after they say, yes, Lord, Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner. I need your help. Save me from my sin. And then they turn to you and you're just, you're overjoyed, right? You're thinking, this is wonderful. I didn't have to do anything. This just happened. That's how it works. Uh, All of a sudden, You have this person next to you, and they look up to you, and they say, now what? Where do I go now? And you're thinking, oh, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm I'm a nobody. (laughs) Maybe I should bring you to the pastor. (laughs) Um, But I want to encourage you in this. You have an opportunity. You have a A wonderful responsibility. Yes, you are inadequate to the task. In many ways, you are just in their shoes as well, right? You are a broken sinner looking to Jesus for help. And yet, in God's good providence, he brings this young believer into your life, and you have an opportunity to say, well, I don't always know exactly what to do, but this is the way, right? I want to... I'm going to, let's go to God's word together. Let's see what God has for us. You have an opportunity to be a faithful Christian friend who walks alongside and says in so many words what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, follow me, we say that in fear and trembling, trembling, as I follow Christ. So it's not follow me as I do my thing, it's follow me as I follow Christ. We are called to set an example. And Paul set an example. And so they received the gospel in affliction with joy from God. And it's interesting, the example that that I think is laid out for us here. Because it says, this is what it says. It says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. 
For you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So what was the imitation? It wasn't, wow, Paul's such a great Christian, I need to follow how he obeys the law. Or Paul's such a great Christian and, and, and how eloquent he is at speech. What does it say was the example that Paul set? Enduring affliction with joy. That, that joy that can only come by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So even when you think, I have nothing to offer in terms of wisdom, or I have nothing in, in terms to offer in terms of sort of what a Christian life looks like in all its bits and parts, what you have is the grace of the Holy Spirit at work in you. And you offer that. And there's many ways we do that, right? There's, there's many ways that we can do that. Well, the, did I say there were four things? Well, that's the, there's three things, not four things. We'll stop there. I, I counted. I think I combined two things together. All right. The Thessalonians resoundingly received the good news. My question for you is, have you received the good news? Can you look back and see how other Christians spoke into your life or set an example for you? I believe, or have you thanked God for them? And have you let them know as an encouragement to them? There is a resounding reception by the Thessalonians, and I use the word resounding very particularly, because what happens is that the reception that is, the reception of the gospel, is made known. In other words, it resounds. It goes out. And this is my second point. So you had one point that was all about reception of the gospel. Second point is the resounding display of the gospel. They, in turn, became examples. So remember, they looked at Paul. They followed his example, particularly of enduring suffering in with joy, Um, but now they go out and they become examples, both in word and in deed. We notice here that it says, uh, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned from God to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So two things. They went out with word and they walked in newness of life. Went out indeed. So I want us to look at this word piece first. It said the word sounded forth in Macedonia and Achaia from them. Um, Just to give you a reminder of where we are at in the world, we are in the Mediterranean, we are in Greece, we are in the Balkan Peninsula, Uh, we are uh, right there, uh, sort of in the northern part of that peninsula, Greece, uh, you know, modern day Greece is kind of down by the coast, but this is up in uh, what's called Macedonia, Um, and the word was kind of permeating throughout that peninsula, that, that, that area, but Paul goes on and he says, not only there, but it goes out Everywhere. It's, it's, it's as if the, the testimony of the, the faith of the Thessalonians was 
going out to the local towns and communities, but that that word was spreading like fire. Did you hear about Jason? Jason, who was dragged into the, the magistrate and was, was threatened and told uh, not, to, you know, not to declare that Christ is Lord, and yet he stood there in faithfulness. Did you hear about Jason? Did you hear about these upstanding women who were prominent Greek women in the, in, in, in the city of Thessalonica who gave all that prominence up to follow Jesus? Did you hear about it? It's as if those words went out all over the place. Paul makes it seem almost like they took over Paul's job. He says, uh, he, he says uh, so that we need not say anything. Your word went out everywhere so that we need not say anything. Maybe Paul's being a little hyperbolic here. I don't know. Saying, man, the, 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 the news of your faith spreading is like, a, a weight lifted off our shoulders because we know that we're not the only ones going out and proclaiming, but that you are also proclaiming. Now, it didn't go out only in word, but it also went out in deed, particularly we are told how they put off their idolatry. And just to note the kind of thing that's said here, uh, it says, you turned to God from idols, presumably dead lifeless things, to serve the living and true God. There is only one God. Now, I want us to think about for a little bit, as we think about going out in word and going out in deed, the transforming power of the gospel at work in our lives as we go out and proclaim, I want us to think about what it means for us to set an example and for others and to follow others. Uh, I want to take a little bit of a, a look at this as we consider what it means for us to display the gospel. First, is it good to have heroes of the faith? I've often wrestled with this idea because uh, you don't ever want to venerate somebody too much, right? Like, like you, don't, you don't want to build up saying, worship, oh, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas. I, you know, this is what the uh, Corinthian church did. And so you get these prominent parties in the church of Corinth. Uh, is it wrong to have heroes of the faith? First, I would say, no, I think heroes are good. But they often aren't the ones we think of when we think of heroes. Most often, heroes of the faith are the humble. The ones that don't get a lot of prominence, that aren't on YouTube. The ones that are, are behind the scenes who wake up every Sunday morning and come and set up sound systems. They're the ones who are in the nursery week in and week out. There was, a, there was an elder at my church in Pittsburgh, the church I did my internship at. And uh, he was a prominent man, to be honest. He was a very prominent man. He was somebody who, uh, uh, he was on the board of Covenant Seminary. He was somebody who was, a well-known businessman in the community. He uh, ran a dairy. People looked up to him. Uh, if you were in the P Pittsburgh area, you would know Turner Milk. It would be the most prominent milk on the, on the shelf, and so you would know him. His name was Walt Turner. His name is Walt Turner. Um, and yet that's not how I remember him. He is a hero of the faith for me in this. He 
one of the first things I remember, I'm a young, you know, seminarian, just moved to Pittsburgh, have a little baby girl named Liza, just about less than a year old. Um, and we would go to church, and Liza was a little bit of a crier. She didn't like being left in the nursery. And so we would bring her to the nursery, and there was Walt Turner. And at one point, Liza was just around two years old. Liza threw royal epic fits. I'm sorry, Liza, I'm exposing all your... She would just throw these royal epic fits. And I just remember Walt Turner sitting there in the nursery with his wife, Jane, and picking up Liza and saying, Rob, go ahead, go worship, I'll hold her. And he held her the whole time. And every time I would preach, he would come up to me and he would say, Rob, here's how I want to encourage you about what you said. Every single time, he would tell me exactly the things that encouraged me from his message. One time, Walt and I had the, the, the privilege of having a seminary professor come and speak at an event. And I was given the job of driving this guy around. And he was a prominent uh, professor, written books and all this. And I remember Walt is also a prominent person. And so I'm with them at a dinner table. And we're sitting around the dinner table. And Walt Turner takes this little notebook, and he, he comes to the professor, and he says, I've just got a lot of questions. Maybe we could just run through some of these. I'd like to learn. And they're both equals, right? They're both prominent people. In some ways, he's a board member of the seminary. He's somebody who has some authority even over this man, and yet he sat there under him and started to learn. He was humble. He was an encourager. To me, he was a model of what it means to be an elder. He's a hero of the faith. I just want you to think about this as you look around you at the people who have influenced you in your life. And you look left and right, and I, I chose somebody that wasn't here just to keep things not too awkward. But as we look around us and we see those who've influenced us, I want you to give thanks to God. Sometimes those people will have a specific thing. So-and-so is an encourager. I go to them when I need encouragement. So-and-so is steadfast. They never seem to go up and down emotionally. They are just steadfast, solid in their faith. So-and-so is hope. Every time that I'm feeling down and hopeless, I go to them because they're like, don't worry, God is in control. Some people are just full of joy, of peace, gentleness, etc. Find those people. Sit under them Ask about them. What makes you so joyful? What makes you so hopeful? What makes you such a good encourager? It's okay to have heroes of faith. One of the challenges I think we see as we think about displaying the gospel uh, or seeing others display it is that I think, honestly, we're quicker to jump to the internet than to lean on one another in the church. It's like, I'm going to go to the YouTube. I know YouTube has the answer. Like, wait. The, this older saint here in the church who's faithfully walked with the Lord for 70 years, who's lived life longer than you, have you gone to her? I think we're in danger as a culture of that loss of those relational nature of the church. Like, we're in danger of being pulled apart. I think we need the encouragement from one another. And just as an exhortation to you, especially you young people, we live in a culture that venerates the young. 
that looks up to the young and dismisses and diminishes the old. Challenge you. How many older saints do you have as friends? How many of them do you look up to, do you go to with concerns and you need help? What a gift we have in the church that we are not all the same age, but that we can glean from the wisdom of those who set before us. And then finally, I want to just encourage you to set an example. See yourself not just as your own individual person going out and living your Christian life, but see yourself in relationship to others and come alongside the younger in the faith. Set an example. And maybe it's just an example of humility. Listen, brother, I am a mess. Come follow me as we lean on Jesus. Well, resounding display of the gospel, I'm finally in closing, resounding display of the gospel, not just uh, in displaying the gospel, but in hoping in the gospel. The Thessalonians are commended for their patient hope in the Lord's return. Uh, Faith is marked by the kind of hope that we see here in 1 Thessalonians. At the end, it says that they had left the idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. First thing that we notice that they hope in Jesus. This goes back to the beginning. Back to verse 4 where it says, beloved of God, beloved of God, chosen by him, you have been loved in Christ Jesus. Hope in him, put your trust in him, put your faith in him. Look to him. He came, he died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven and he's coming again. Put all your confidence in there. Second, recognize that God is coming in, Jesus is coming again to judge. What does that mean? Don't take your sin lightly. Turn from idols. I don't need to quote it to you, but I will. Uh, Calvin said that our hearts are like idol factories. Uh, Quote isn't quite like that, but that, that gets at the gist of it. Our hearts are idol factories. We're constantly putting things up above God. Turn from idols and walk in faith, recognizing that Christ is coming again. This is what Peter talks about in 2 Peter chapter 3 when he says this, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, the coming of the Lord, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Be diligent in your faith. Third, as we resound with hope, hope in the resurrection. Notice here he says that you believe in the Son whom he raised from the dead. By implication, you too will be raised from the dead. We have a living hope. So in conclusion, as we think about resounding with the gospel, this faith that that bleeds out the gospel, the first is we receive it. We receive it with full conviction We know that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. And then we display it. We go out into the world and we show it 
and we look to others who show it, and we get encouraged by them, and then we encourage others with that faith, and finally, we resound with hope as those who look forward to that moment when he comes. Let the gospel resound. Let's pray.